0: Welcome to the weekly podcast all about turning the Great American RV Adventure into stress-less camping. Each week, we explore tips, tricks, ideas, and destinations, and talk to the happiest campers in the RV world. Pull up a seat at the campfire as we enjoy some stress-less camping. (laughs) Welcome to
1: the virtual campfire. I wasn't going
0: to look at you. (laughs) I knew you were going to make me laugh.
1: He laughs when he looks at me. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I was looking out the window at the desert tortoise, and instead I look over and she's making funny faces at me. Oh, man. Hey, I'm Tony. I'm Peggy. And we are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer looking to share big adventures and help you with great tips.
1: Tricks. And discounts. I have been seeing a lot of Great or seemingly great tips <laughs> and tricks and modifications.
0: Well, we're doing our own. Well, we are. Mods. We got <laughs> we are a whole. So we get our mail delivered when we're in our sticks and bricks to a PO box. And I went there, and they're like, "What in the heck did you do?" I had eight big boxes of stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, some of those were not for modifying the travel trailer, but many of them were for the new old. Yeah. The new vintage travel trailer that we bought, that we are going to do some modifications on. Some
0: are repairing right. things that right. are not that are broken because it's fifty years
1: old. And right. So they're some not are really mods. not really modifications, just renovations. But one of the things that I don't know if people really think about when they make modifications is that depending on what you do, you're definitely changing almost definitely changing the weight of your RV, the weight distribution, perhaps. Yeah. And possibly some of you are even changing the structure of your RV. And hopefully if you're doing that, you understand what that structure is meant to be. If it's part of the stabilization of a wall, let's say,
0: (laughs) and you decide to
1: take it out to make it look cooler. Yeah. Just bear in mind that some of those modifications are going to make significant changes to the way your RV works or tows or does well, we fall apart. Yeah,
0: we were thinking of upgrading to a 12-volt fridge in our modern trailer, and I looked at the shipping weight, and it's like, wow, those are not, the one we were looking at was not all that light. So those are all things that, you know, some of them little things like adding a max air fan or... That kind of stuff doesn't really affect it. But boy, if you make some of the, you know, they all add up. It's sort of like snowflakes, you know, they add up (laughs) and they really can ruin your day. Well, so can some mods.
1: And if you make those kind of modifications, like if our refrigerator was way in the front or way in the back of the RV, that would not only change the weight, but it would change the weight distribution and how front-heavy or back-heavy the trailer might be. Or
0: side-to-side. Our refrigerator is almost directly above the wheel on our travel trailer, and it would affect side-to-side weight distribution. Yes. So,
1: anyway, things to think about. Yeah, we just wanted to remind you that if you're going to go in there with a saw and hammer, (laughs) bear in mind what it is that you're changing. Oh, (laughs) you've seen me. (laughs) We
0: uh, will have another edition of our vintage trailer restoration video up pretty soon here including toilet so (laughs) we're working on it
1: we're working kind of slowly it's kind of hot out there and there's no air conditioner in those vintage trailers so we have to kind of do it when it's not miserably hot and so you know we'll get a slow start but we're getting a start
0: yeah, well, it. One of the things I was waiting for. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to do to the roof. Yeah. For waterproofing, and I was waiting for all of the supplies to come. Well, they came yesterday. That's so
1: a, those eight boxes included. Spending <laughs> some time on a ladder. Yeah.
0: Even though I hate ladders. I hate ladders. I, anyway, that's anyway. not what we're talking
1: about. <laughs> you probably remember that last week Tony and Mike had a nice discussion about
0: the future of RVs and electric influence on RVs. And this week we dive even deeper and learn exactly what Mike has been towing. Mm. I know (laughs) Um, it's, it's all pretty interesting. And we talk about the viability of electric powered RVs and what the, what's the real deal? What are the challenges and what are some of the promises? So
1: awesome. Definitely. Well, you know what? I have an idea. Let's listen. Stay tuned. Remember that time we followed our GPS and ended up at the top of a cliff overlooking the campground?
0: <laughs> yeah, I had to back the trailer down a mountain road.
1: Remember the time we went on that twisty, windy road and hit our awning on a tree?
0: Yeah, I do. But now those kinds of things aren't going to happen anymore thanks to RV Trip Wizard.
1: Right. RV Trip Wizard lets you plan your journeys before you go and then use their app on your phone or tablet to safely navigate that journey.
0: You can set parameters such as how far you want to travel in a day, how many miles you can go between fuel stops and Even read reviews of the campgrounds and places you want to go to. It all takes into account the size of your RV and more.
1: Then you can rest assured that your phone isn't going to lead you into trouble.
0: If you have an RV, you need RV Trip Wizard. Check it out on your discounts and deals page on StresslessCamping.com where you can also listen to our interview with RV Trip Wizard and learn about the whole RV life suite. Now Now that's Stressless stressless camping. Camping. You have something in your hot hands. I've had it in my hot hands. Yeah, since before we were months. allowed to talk about it. <laughs> well, what I do have
2: is Rockwood has a GeoPro series line, and they very gracefully agreed to send me one to play with of their brand new version that is set up basically as a, this electric hybrid thing. And what do they call it? Uh, power. The power package. The power pack, the power yeah. package, right. And this thing has 600 or 580 watts-ish of solar on the roof, which is basically fills the whole roof up. This is a, a <laughs> G19 FBTH. So the Geo Pro 19-foot front bedroom. Toy hauler. Toy hauler version, right. Yeah. Really what makes this cool, it has a 400-amp-hour master volt battery, big lithium battery in there. It looks like a car battery, but huge, laid sideways. And it has a 3000 watt hybrid inverter, which is really cool. And it has a 12 volt DC Danfoss compressor. I think it's a Danfoss, but it's certainly a 12 volt DC compressor refrigerator in it. And, you know, conventional furnace, you know, off of propane, conventional cooktop, you know, right. cooktop and an oven, you know, off of propane. But they've integrated this so well, it'll run the air conditioner. It has a 11.5 KBTU a Coleman air conditioner on the roof it'll run for a solid four hours off the battery a real four hours
0: which is pretty impressive pretty darn impressive really really cool that's assuming getting no power from the sun whatsoever right 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 and
2: and you can set the it's perfect for mooch docking which is my new favorite term For the RV business, it's not boondocking where you go out in the boonies, it's mooch docking where you mooch power off of like your brother-in-law pulling in his driveway. You could plug into the outlet and you can say, I only want this outlet to take 10 amps or 15 amps or whatever it's comfortable doing without tripping. And then whenever your RV needs more power than that, it just takes it from the battery. Whenever it needs less power than that, it puts it back into the battery. And you don't even have to think about it. There's a little adjustment that you can do on their panel that says the maximum amount of current you can do. And I discovered this would be really handy because the first thing I did was run the battery all the way down to zero. It wants to charge the battery at like 170 or 180 amperes or something, which pulls like 20 couple, 23 amps, 24 amps from the 120 volt line which the first thing he did was tripped out my poor little yeah. Honda 2200 generator. You can watch, of course, I'm metering everything. I'm watching it: two amps, four amps, eight amps, 12 amps, 16 amps, 20 amps. And my generators go, oh, <laughs> boom. And I went, oh, well, fudge. I called my guys up and I said, I remember you said you can set this down. And so, oh yeah, go in the panel or go click, click, click. And I could set it down to say a maximum of 15 amps. Uh, so once the battery came up, then the generator just goes back down on idle mode. It doesn't need it anymore. It's going get on float charge and the, and you can watch on it. It's that 600 Watts of solar panels. If you're out in the sun, it takes over for all of that. So it, it's got an integrated solar controller. I really love a hybrid inverter. Again, is, is not an either, or, you know, either campground power or your own stuff. It blends the two. It mixes the two together.
0: That is cool. And then you can also add, I believe that charge controller is able to accept a portable panel.
2: Yeah, you could. You could run those out. And I've got a a couple guys that are sending me a number of portable panels. I think now here's one of the things I always thought. This is the, the conundrum of solar panels. They're normally mounted on the roof of your RV. So in order to get enough power to really make it successful, you've got to park it in the sun which makes it hot, Yeah,
0: which makes it hot.
2: What you would really like to do is park your RV under the trees and then 30 or 40 feet away or whatever. You would love to put solar panels on the ground and you have that flexibility with this.
0: Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. That's what we have been doing. When Peggy and I go camping, we have our portable panel because you're right. We park it, the RV in the shade if possible and throw the panel out in the sun and bing, bang, boom.
2: Yep. And when you drive them down the road, it's completely recharging the thing just from the panels on the roof. Yeah, which is the whole thing up. This one does have a 12 volt DC compressor refrigerator. It's not real huge. I don't know. Maybe it's six cubic feet or something like that. But, you know, real freezer, real refrigerator. But the solar panel is enough to keep it running forever. And, you know, which, again, is a good thing. I will admit to being a little skeptical. I know that they've been around for decades, but I don't like having a flame make your refrigerator cold It just feels wrong to me even though i know listen i know all the physics
0: yeah it, I, I mean they how work, all this works but it just seems wrong yeah it's uh, friends of mine who are firefighters have rolled to a lot of rv fires and it's just yeah it's it doesn't make any logical sense but i you're right i know i know the theory i know the how it works but it's still weird <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have a couple of, you know, 12 old DC refrigerators here in my shop that I've been testing. One was an eight cubic foot one from Vitafrigo, And now I currently have a 10 cubic foot one from Dometic. They draw essentially half the power of a standard 120 volt compressor refrigerator so i would never put a residential one in, in one of my rvs I, I just wouldn't these things are so good mine out there even though it's i have mine sitting in my garage and it's like 98 degrees in my garage getting hotter than holy heck i'm still down at like one degree below zero on the freezer and i can get the refrigerator down to like 34 degrees which uh, is where
0: you want to be yeah I think it's the time I could talk about this, boy, I sure hope so because I'm about to. We saw when we were in Indiana Furion has a new double french door twelve volt refrigerator, and Magic Chef already has one, and they're right. they're fa- i mean that's what you'd want in any rV they're beautiful. I think that
2: it was a bad idea just to start slapping residential refrigerators and modified sign inverters in an RV without considering. All of the things that can go wrong with things like that, and especially your, a number of the refrigerator manufacturers said they refuse to honor the yeah. warranties once yeah. they put them in an RV, and an RV technician won't work on it because it's a residential refrigerator, and a residential refrigerator guy won't work on it because it's in an RV.
0: Yeah, and the the. The other part, and we have a whole, the most popular episode of this podcast is about RV refrigeration, but we have friends who work at dealerships and the way to repair these residential refrigerators is pull out the windshield of a motorhome or the slide room of a, cause take they don't the go through the out. door. Yeah, They'll
2: slide out to get the thing out cause they won't fit through the door. And I looked at that and I'm going, okay. Yeah. Again, I am a student of failure. Remember, this is one of the things I was always be a troubleshooter on systems. And if I were looking for things to go wrong, yeah. that right there is the thing that's gonna go wrong because you don't have any decent way to repair repair this thing. And if you're in the middle of a camping trip or vacation and your
0: refrigerator goes down, your lifestyle has just changed drastically. Yeah, you're not going to the appliance store and going, Can you fix this? Cause they're gonna go, No. No, no. And then they'll say, What? Yeah, what what? No but this is my home. I agree. You know, it's your home while you're on the road, but uh,
2: refrigerator manufacturers never really thought of that.
0: Or it's just what you want to buy 500 refrigerators. Okay. We don't care where you're putting them, but anyway, and it also goes back to a lot of RV decision makers don't go camping.
2: I see that as a real issue. I think that People ought to live the life, walk the walk, talk the talk. Right. You know, and then you understand things real rapidly. This is why I wanted to play with electric vehicles. I mean, I could look at stuff, I could read stuff, I could see what all the marketing guys told me. And I, and you know, to the credit of both Ford and Volkswagen, they sent me stuff and said,
0: go do it. And there is the perfect segue. We also have handing them off to you man. you're awesome. I love this. So not only do we talk about electric travel trailers and the Ford pickup that can charge those, but you also got to play with an electric vehicle in the realm of towing. Exactly right. So, Volkswagen
2: was brave enough to send me an ID4, <laughs> and this is their SUV. It's kind of a not huge, but medium sized SUV, all electric, uh, 75 kilowatt hour battery, rated for about 250, 275 mile range normally. And it does get a real 275 mile range, me blasting down the highway at 70, 75 miles an hour. Uh, it's pretty amazing. It works really well, but it has a class two hitch on it. Now, I've never towed with a class two hitch before. So I had to get all the appropriate stuff to do it. And I actually have tried this with two different travel trailers now. I've had a, from our friends up in Canada, they, again, they built and sent me one down, the Safari Condo Alto trailer, which is that really cool teardrop trailer with the clamshells up. So it's six foot six inside it's when the neat. roof is yeah, up.
0: That's a neat and trailer.
2: It's like four foot nothing or whatever. When it's down, you can kind of get in it, but I forget what it is exactly, but pretty, pretty but low enough that it wasn't bad. Again, you can get it with the, this is the new option, 400 Watts of solar panels on it. 200 amp hours of lithium battery. You can get it optionally with a 12 volt refrigerator. It does still have a propane tank because it's got a propane powered furnace, propane powered burners. And I went on a couple of towing experiments with this to just kind of see some mileage things. And in fact, I'm just writing up my basics of this in my in my RV electricity thing that just would have published earlier this week, last Saturday, if this is going out Thursday or whenever this goes out. So, a week ago, I'll send you the link. Okay. So you can see this. And I put all my numbers. I did some towing experiments at 55, 60 and 65 miles an hour. The other thing that I did extreme outdoors, they loaned me just for a few hours, one of their MyPod XTs. And this is a little 800, 900 pound kind of a thing that looks like all fiberglass egg. Yeah. But I blasted all around the highway with that thing for a few hours with this id4 I had people giving me the thumbs up you know here here's a really interesting thing it seems like half the people love the fact that they can see they can hear this is an electric vehicle t- towing a, a little tr- travel trailer of some sort and other half of the people I, I they've actually I had one girl pull down her pink mask stick her tongue at me and scowl because she could see I had an electric vehicle wow I was like I'm just sitting here and getting a charge here I'm, I ain't hurting anybody <laughs> I then also took the ID4, the Volkswagen, down to St. Michaels, Maryland, here earlier this week with my wife. I said I need to go on a a trip, an extended trip, somewhere that they've got Maryland blue crabs, so <laughs> yeah. that I could see how my range is. And they also had a number of destination stations, charging stations down there, and that was really cool because you know it's 125 mile trip down there, and so that gets a little iffy to go there and back without recharging. But because they had a destination charging stations all over the place, in fact, maybe a dozen of them within walking distance of any of the restaurants, you could plug in. They didn't charge you for electricity, but it charged you like two bucks an hour for the spot, as it were. There's a few legal things to get around. But it was like a 7.6 or so kilowatt charger. So it basically added 50 miles of range in the two hours that we were bopping around. I was, you know, but I was eating crab cake sandwiches. Yeah, and seeing the sights, and so my wife goes, "This is actually really nice. I mean, it's a gorgeous vehicle. I think and, and it's a little hard to get used to at first because it's got a. You know, they have got automatic lane centering stuff. You can you can put it into cruise control and lock onto the uh, vehicle's speed in front of you. I mean, it's got all of the, the modern stuff, but it looks like a plain old SUV. So it doesn't, and, and it kicks." But I mean, when I'm driving that, in, when I was driving the Alto around, in fact, I yeah, I took the Alto this morning over to Frederick, Maryland for my buddies over at Love Pup to, to, that makes tie dyed t-shirts because I'm picking up for my go green RV. I'm going to be doing the tie dyed hippies look of the sixties. There you go. And I was a tie dyed hippie kind of guy back in the sixties, believe it or not. It blasts around. I mean, you, I hate to say it, but I mean, it, it pulled that 1800 pound trailer. Like it was nothing.
0: And that one's pretty low. How is the range with pulling that? And what are the? Well, what I'll are the... give you all
2: the. I'll give you all the numbers if you go look on the site. But any of these things, if you have a significant size RV, which this is compared to um, the size of this thing, you can lose forty or fifty percent of your range right off top. It just just that's unfortunate, but that's what happens. But with the little MyPod XT, it was more like 20%, 25 percent. Of it because it's within the actual envelope of the tow vehicle itself. This is not about weight. This is really about wind, right? There's it's wind it's resistance.
0: The the bigger the the box you have to shove through the wind, the more power bigger it takes to right. do that.
2: But interestingly, the hills really didn't seem to affect it because as you're going up a hill, you could see it, and it's a very very comprehensive panel. You could see it using more kilowatt hours per mile to go, as it were. But when you're coming down, it's actually putting the electricity back into the battery. So instead of heating up brakes or it it almost acts like an engine brake, it really acts like a Jake brake, but I need a fancy name for that, you know, but it's regenerative braking. That doesn't sound as cool as a Jake brake, (laughs) but but it acts like a Jake brake. So you don't heat up your pads and you can watch it putting the, you can watch your mileage spin backwards that you're actually adding miles of range back in when you're going down big Hills.
0: Well, they have that, you know, if you're, Using a diesel locomotive, they have that equivalent of regenerative braking. I forgot what they call it—dynamic braking. Dynamic braking. But what they have, if any of you guys have ever driven a slot cars,
2: and this—I'm I'm dating myself back to the '60s and '70s—and when you let off of the controller, there'd be a little winding inside of there, and you could clip those out and off, and you would actually change your electric motor. Any electric motor can turn into a generator if you. Sp- spin it right. Right. Rather than letting it spin, you know, in that case, you're just basically just heating up a little coil in there. But in the railroad, uh, those big engines don't, they don't have batteries in them. What they're doing is they have banks and banks of resistive heating in the roof and big fans that blow this through. So you can see them. If you can ever watch a, a diesel locomotive going down a hill, if you get the sunlight at the right angle, you could actually see the heat just blowing up out of those engines
0: yeah it's it's that's what they're doing it's basically a giant
2: electric heater (laughs) it's a a massive electric heater uh whereas in this case it puts it back into the battery so and i think you know my gut feels probably about 80 percent of uh, efficiency in terms of recovered power whereas when you're driving down a hill with your rv right now all the the potential energy that you put into it by uh, by gaining altitude turns into yeah, heat
0: exactly, and so
2: you you lose it forever with a traditional you know internal combustion engine. So again, more interesting things. I just observe everything as I'm driving around and I'm giggling like a schoolgirl because I figured some <laughs> other little gadget. I'm going, well, this is really neat. I should have known this, but but there it is.
0: It's cool. So what is the experience like towing a trailer with an electric vehicle? It, you said that the performance isn't really harm much. The performance is actually really quite good. Um, I took my buddy
2: Carl down to Frederick with me so he could fly my drone around and do all that other stuff. And he goes, this thing really kicks. And I said... It does. I mean, I'm blasting up and down the little hills. Now I'm not going 90 miles an hour. I, no, I know I in Texas, not. I've driven across Texas many times. I'm going 80, 85 miles an hour in my sprinter and guys are passing me with pickup trucks going, I don't know how fast. So that's not what this is, but you know, I'm, I'm driving on the, you know, the hilly little roads, you know, I'm actually in route 40, you know, the national pike, you know, runs right in front of my house in Funkstown and I'm going 50, 60 miles an hour up and down hills. I'm not feeling like I'm getting behind. I don't, it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything in terms of abusive to it. It's just blasts right along. And that's the, the thing that's really, really interesting in an electric vehicle. When you step on it, it doesn't take like a half a second for the engine to start winding up. And then you can feel the torque converter coming up and then you can feel the thing start to go. When you hit it, it goes Bang. Yeah, like that. All of your all of
0: your ketchup and beer is at the back or front of your refrigerator, depending on
2: where it is. You want to make sure everything's secured. Yeah. But uh, but it's something to get used to. You know, when I was both of these things, both the F-150 and the Volkswagen ID4, when I was in town and I would hit the throttle, I hate to say gas, I hit the gas, hit the throttle. I almost ran right into people in front of me because they weren't getting out of my way fast enough. And I'm in a darn little all electric ID4 yeah. I'm like, whoa, baby. Now, do you want to know what my perfect situation is? My sure. perfect test thing. Since we're talking fun things. So Volkswagen sometime early next year is gonna have something they call the ID.buzz. The ID buzz looks like the microbus from the 60s but it all wheel drive autonomous driver that is drive itself on the highway. It's got 300 ish mile range, whatever they've promised to loan me one. And I've told them that I will take it across the country. Uh, I'll take Carl with me. I've, we've played music together for 40 odd years and we'll play 60 songs <laughs> at all, Cause their, their, their thing is, it's okay to say groovy again.
0: Yeah. Totally.
2: And so I talked to the guy in Germany and I said, you know, if you give me one of these, I said, I will take it. I will do a test drive from Maryland out to California to the Salton Sea to see that lithium extraction project that they're working on. Stopping at campgrounds, playing 60 songs at every campground at night. You know, Carl plays guitar. I play keys. We both sing, you know, how it goes. And the guy said, do you know any 60 songs? And I said, dude, I was playing 60 songs in the sixties <laughs> so we can have fun. And I bet you that would, that would be a blast. Of course, both of us, you know, I asked my wife, what do you think if I head off for three weeks to California on a road trip with Carl
0: playing 60 songs, she goes, go, just go. <laughs> I'm going to go see Carl Tony. Asked his
2: wife. And Carl said, my wife said, yeah, go ahead. Just go if you want to go. Just leave your credit cards at home. And I went, oh, uh, you've had enough of us being locked in the same house for a year and a half? She's, What kind of trouble can you guys get into? And I went, they don't know because we, we rock and rolled in the 70s. So, yeah. They, you
0: know, like, well, if you're coming out to see me, it might be we, we might be able to get into some trouble, but but that's it's not just a the little point. trouble, but tiny yeah. trouble, not not the right. old trouble. Yeah. But but
2: I think that that but what I would do then is I want the F one fifty power boost as a chase vehicle, because I've tried it; it will run a class two EV charger. I can use that to charge up the ID Buzz if I run out of electrons on the side of the road. Yeah, your your own AAA. My own baby AAA. So we would take two vehicles out if those brave people at Ford and Volkswagen (laughs) let me do this.
0: Now, as uh, for towing and RV purposes, what is your feeling about EVs? Are they ready for prime time yet? Or is it because you ran into some stuff? I think it's a little premature.
2: Okay, so for local camping. Yes, Absolutely. For going across the country, I have not found a single charging station yet that you can actually plug in your tow vehicle while a trailer is attached. You've got to go out someplace, drop the trailer, and then come in and plug in for that 30 or 40 minutes or whatever. I've talked to Electrify in America and a few other guys like that, and they say, now we see that that is a real issue. (laughs) And some of them, they've got the room, but they didn't block off the space, so there's some guy sitting there with whatever is conventional internal combustion engine vehicle blocking where I could be just pulling in. And there's a couple of other things that I've just written about what they should do. They really need to have some kind of a basic roof over top of it. They're all sitting out in the middle of a macadam parking lot with the sun beaming in on you.
0: Yeah, usually way at the back.
2: Right. And what I would love to see is um, like a little kiosk that they do for a bus stop where you've got like a little glass wall thing and you got a roof over top and maybe you've got a vending machine with cold water in it and free wifi and a few benches. And you could sit out there. What I find myself doing when I'm waiting for this thing to charge up, I either go into the Walmart and go buy some stuff and sit down and do nothing, but I'm sitting there for 30 minutes waiting for something to happen. Yeah, You know, so I'm doing business stuff. You know, I'm on my phone, I got my laptop or whatever. I'm doing stuff. I, rather than sitting inside of it, if I had a nice little area that I could sit in, and they got enough electricity there. For heaven's sakes, air condition it if you
0: want. I mean, just do it. Air conditioning yeah. heat it while you're charging up. That's an issue. Then is right now. Let's say you have a 300 mile trip. Right, you're right. going from here to there, and the campground is 300 miles away. Right. How much more time would it take with an EV? Thinking you have to at least charge once and disconnect and all of that. Okay. So what
2: happens is you not only have the power time, the charging time, and you not only have the disconnect time many times, for instance, I did a, a ride the other day. I had to drive five miles off the interstate to go to a charging center and then five miles back to a charging center. Now there gasoline stuff is everywhere. You can drive 500 feet off of an interstate and go get a gas pump. In fact, I would refuse to go drive five miles or seven miles off to go get gasoline. Even, even if I was going to save a couple pennies, but, but there it was, you're kind of stuck with this. So, you know, you would say, okay, let's say I start with a, I, I would not try to go more than probably a hundred miles before recharging it in case you could not find a station because sometimes they're
0: not working. Right, that's the other question. So you would have to have two stops. Yeah, your experience. I've seen that there's a fair number of these charging stations where they're either full or broken. Exactly right, and sometimes you get and there'll be like one or two of them out of the
2: four that'll say that they're not operational for whatever reason. I don't know what it is. And you can look at them ahead. One of the things that's really interesting about the Volkswagen, the ID. Four, if you buy one of those, you, as a consumer, gets three years of free charging at any Electrify America station across the United States. Free, ele- free gas, basically, for three years.
0: <laughs> well, that's because Volkswagen had to pay out for their diesel gate. Emissions.
2: There was the diesel gate thing, and they're trying to make everybody feel better, and, and all of that. I don't want don't, to get into the politics <laughs> of that. But the fact of the matter is you have three years of free charging. Yeah, which well, just, feels pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I think it's a great promotional effort on their part. They make it so that you just pop, walk up to it, and you have a phone app, and you say, I'm me, and you plug in, and then you can say how, how much you want to charge it to. And remember, these things only want you to take them to 80% of full charge normally, and then they slow the charging down is what they happen. And that last couple of percent to get it to 100% is painfully slow.
0: Yeah, that's lithium, right? So you're at 80% of 300 miles is 240 miles. And then you add a trailer and yeah, you're right. Every hundred miles. Right. hundred and you got to have 20 miles pad on the thing. I would never, I mean, I could have made it back from St.
2: Michael's the other day, but I would have been on fumes as it were. What's the equivalent of electron fumes? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would have been like 10 or 20 miles and I said, nah, I'm going to see if I can go one of these charging, these, these local charging things.
0: The Energizer bunny is making rude gestures at you as you pass by at that point. And then the other thing you can
2: get, which I'm not experimented with, you can get a um, converter that'll allow you to plug this up, plug this into a Tesla, the low power Tesla. It's not the supercharger ones. Right. Yeah. You can, in fact, plug that in one of these destination chargers. And Tesla has done a m- massively good job of just putting these things all over the place. Even though there's not that many Teslas,
0: he doesn't have to justify it. You know? Right, right. Elon can just do it. So there you go. Can you charge this vehicle up at a campground if you have, you'd have to have a 50 amp service, right? Well, n- no, you don't. But it would be painful. So for instance, the Volkswagen
2: comes with a uh, a little 15 amp plug and what we call a level one charger. And it's limited to a thousand watts. Now you plug that into any 20 amp outlet and it'll you'll do like eight or nine amperes coming off of it. Which converts into 80 ish kind of amperes going into the battery. But the problem with this is it's all about the kilowatt hours or the watt hours, right? So it would take roughly 60 hours, 70 hours to recharge that battery plugged into a home outlet. Now, you can get a class two charger with a 14 50 plug on it that will charge at, say, 4,000 watts kind of a thing. 40 amps, 100, does see 40 amps. Yeah. So basically, I, I've calculated it. You could completely recharge this in about 8 or 10 hours. So overnight. And what kind of plug? That's a
0: 50-amp plug, right? A
2: regular 50-amp RV. Yeah. So a NEMA 1450 is the standard coin of the realm. So that's the thing that you would have your stove at your house and your home probably uses that. This is the same thing that you see at your campground. It is not the same 240 only plug that you get for welders. You got to be really careful. If you go look at any of my RV electricity stuff, I've got all kinds of articles. Why you do not use a Tesla converter plug to plug in your RV into a home welding outlet. You don't do that or a home Tesla outlet. You don't do that. But what it does, of course, is it does open up the idea of what do campgrounds charge you because you can use up 10 bucks worth of electricity overnight very easily, depending where they are in the country and you know how much they're paying for, oh, for a yeah. kilowatt hour.
0: And then friends with campgrounds are very concerned about people bringing in EVs and right. wanting to charge them. So let's say you're pulling a, whatever, a Tesla Model 3 that has a 75 kilowatt hour 75 kilowatt battery and you kilowatt want to,
2: hour battery you were yeah, right
0: yeah and if you want to charge it there's too many numbers
2: <laughs> uh, teacher 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 let me let me uh, update update i know something so ford just filed a patent that will allow their their towed vehicles to actually recharge while you're being towed behind your behind your camp
0: that is significant
2: i just saw this last night Wow. So they can recharge them a little bit at a time, or you could set them up. They would act like a uh, dynamic braking behind you. So now rather than just turning on your brakes in your, in your towed vehicle, uh, your towed T-O-A-D, you can do dynamic braking as you're going down hills, your little Ford, whatever the heck it is, you're towing behind Ford your thing. Fiesta would be behind acting you. like an exhaust brake.
0: <laughs> your Ford Fiesta behind you is slowing down your 38. Slowing down your big massive class A. Tiffin. Or whatever. But air. it makes
2: sense. It, it all makes sense. And that thing would be fully recharged. And you know, and I've told him I said, you know, you the 300 mile range is great. But you know, if you've got something that's a toad, you had a hundred mile range on it, you'd be happy because you're just kind of driving oh, yeah. around. But yeah, you know, the, all these ones are now going to be 250, 300 mile range. And I'm doing a study on how fast they think that lithium batteries are going to advance. Yes. That is how much cheaper they're going to get. And so they're basically saying that the cell's going to uh, drop to about one third of the current costs by the end of this decade. So by 2030, they expect them to cost the, the, the lithium batteries to be about one third of their current cost, which implies to me at least double to triple the range. So think about this: if yeah. you had an electric vehicle that had a five or six hundred mile range,
0: yeah, fifteen hundred miles. I mean, even if you cut that in half by t- pulling a trailer, seven hundred fifty miles is more than I ever want to drive. Uh, you overnight. see where I'm going with this? Yeah,
2: so th- this. I have high hopes, you know. And, and I tell you know, I, I've I've told a bunch of my students. I said, look, you know, we as a country are some of the um, the best innovators in the world. We truly are. A lot of com- a lot of other countries copy what we do because we lead the way. We truly do. Even though, you know, in you know, we started with hydroelectric power started with us. It's hard for you to believe, but three-phase power and all that started right up there at Niagara Falls. We led the way with the whole world of how to distribute power.
0: Yeah, we have a culture of innovation. And speaking of toads, what if you could tow a trailer behind you that could actually charge your electric vehicle
2: teacher 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 um <laughs> uh, there there's a couple of there's them right a segue now. so one company uh what is it denver yeah, teardrop it's, uh, or something uh, yeah like that.
0: it's a colorado teardrop has the colorado boulder. teardrop
2: right and they make something they call the boulder uh they will be making that and maybe they're working on it have you done a review on that one i yet? did and i will link to that in the show notes as well i've talked to them a couple of weeks ago and told them what i was doing and 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 it basically has what a 75 kilowatt hour battery built into that that can be used to recharge your electric towing vehicle. Yes.
0: The ID4 has a 75 kilowatt hour battery, right? Exactly. So it's the same size battery in a teardrop. Right. (laughs) And his his whole job is to charge the RV,
2: excuse me, the EV that you're doing it. But there's wait, but wait, there's more. Our good buddies at Heimer, Germany, they did an experiment, I think, last year. And they took looked like a, a full size, you know, spam can kind of uh, tear, you know, trailer, not a little teardrop. And then I only put oh. 75 kilowatt hour battery in it, but traction motors in the right. wheels. Yeah. So it pushes the, it pushes your trailer, it pushes itself down the highway. sixty seventy 60, 70 miles an hour.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, they tried it with a Audi e-tron. And, yeah, going and through the all the Swiss or yeah, something, something like and that. it didn't lose any
2: range. It still had like a 250 mile range. Driving this thing all over the place, and and how they did it, which I think was brilliant. They put a strain gauge. Now they didn't tell me this, but I interpolated this from just reading all the bits and pieces. They put a strain gauge in the trailer hitch itself, and so it was set to always have about 100 pounds of pull. And of course, as you're decelerating, it's putting the power back into it, so it can easily match the 250 or 300 mile range of your small vehicle, because it not only has electric brakes, it's got electric motors.
0: Yeah. So it'll, it'll actually help basically haul itself up the hill. It'll haul itself up and down the hill. I would love to try
2: one of those. I think ah, that, yeah. that would be spectacular and a 75 kilowatt hour battery. You could boondock for days. Oh, now gosh. that would run. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, without a doubt and air conditioners and air conditioners yeah because um mine in the in the volkswagen and i've noted a few of my logs that i'm working on it's about what one kilowatt hour kind of a thing that's for the air conditioner in it so it would in theory run the air conditioner for like 75 hours
0: the typical coleman unit that we all have on the roof of our trailers it stinks let's be honest it's a, it's a mediocre device truma has a new air conditioning system that's a heat pump.
2: <laughs> I'm
0: getting one. I know. <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah. They just sent me all the paperwork.
2: Yeah. I will be under NDA for a while, but I will be able to begin experimenting with that. They are now taking this very seriously. Yeah. About better, higher efficiency air conditioners. I think it's brilliant.
0: Finally. I mean, we have Finally. them in our homes, It's but we're all stuck with that god-awful Coleman piece of chunk on our roof well you know again that's a basic 100 year old kind of technology truly in terms of
2: you know how the compressors work the modern ones which are the DC inverter uh compressors uses half the power and they're also quiet this thing's quieter than your refrigerator that's running out in the kitchen I mean, it's just like, I remember I'm a sound guy. I measure all of this stuff, but I, I'm going, I can't hear running. My wife goes, that's because you're too many years of rock and roll. And I said, well, that part may be true, but guess what? I've got a meter. Yeah. Knows, right. It, it knows. tells.
0: So last but not least, I guess we should, since we started kind of on the F-150 hour boost, we should kind of end with the F-150 lightning, which apparently there are 120,000 pre-orders of that thing. It is really, really interesting. You know, I am now
2: on the, as a member of the media, they've got me first in line. So when one of those is available, I get to play with it. It'll be truly interesting. I am not sold yet on all of the other issues that you have in terms of charging them. But I do know this. I've been been promised the F-150 Lightning. Rivian has promised me the R1T as soon as one's available. GMC has promised me the Hummer All-Electric as soon as one's available. I don't know why I became such a popular guy with all of the motor vehicle manufacturers, But I've told them I'm willing to go experiment with these things and basically break it down into the basic elements of what works and doesn't work. I'm not doing any of this from marketing slicks at all. I'm doing everything from I I bring out the test gear. I drag this thing around. I gather data and then I do some basic number crunching. The F-150 Lightning, they are pushing like crazy. Yeah, it could be really, really great. But again, I think it's ill advised to think that you're gonna hook this up to a big R V and take it all the way across yeah, the country. I don't know what the power drop is gonna be on it, but it may be, you know, twenty or thirty percent if you're lucky, if you're really, really lucky with a
0: medium sized RV. Who knows? If it's like any other R V, it's gonna be a forty percent drop in in range. It could very well be, but
2: you know, they're, you know, they're, they could put more batteries in it. I know that uh, the Rivian is supposed to have a 400 mile range. Now here's something that scares me a little bit, even though I intellectually know that it should not scare me. The Rivian is rated to go through a three foot deep stream. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, maybe they just sealed with all it, those well.
2: electric batteries. And and I know it's all sealed. I, I really, I mean, you know, you know how it is. You intellectually know something, but you know it—it
0: it, kind of gives you that squeamish feeling. That it's one of those. Here's the thing that scares me about that: somebody is going to go, "Woohoo! I can go through a stream and do it while the water is flowing." And. Then they're right. going to go, well, and they get said washed I...
2: down and then, yeah, bad things and, yeah. uh, and all that other, but it was on their website. And yeah. I'm going, um, <laughs> now I will tell you what I did last year and you could talk to my buddy Carl. Cause we, we went on a fishing trip and I backed my little bass boat in there and I literally forgot to put the drain plug in. Oh No. I did. And we're back. And it's is a little, just a little fast boat. And Carl goes, did you put the plug? in?" Oh yeah. Yeah. I got it. You know, I know stuff. I don't forget stuff like that. Just to show you, we all make mistakes. I'm backing it down there. And he goes, pull out from the dock now. And I go, why Carl? He goes, because the boat is sinking. And I look at this guy, you know, six or eight inches of water already in the back. Oh, that drain plug. Is that the one you're referring to? Yes. That one.
0: Oh man. Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you here. Um, we talk electric vehicles, electric trailers. We've we've just run the gamut. So I think our bottom line is electric vehicles as tow vehicles. Maybe not yet. Some- not quite yet, but very very solid first steps. Yeah, I think, truly. Some of the new electric trailers. I mean, a, a lot of us have already done what these manufacturers are doing. A bunch of solar panels, big. Battery
2: batteries, bank, you and, know, con- solar chart converters, on and on. Right, they're they're basically now making them from scratch, and it'll be better integrated. It, yeah. it is because a lot of people are hooking this stuff up, and they don't understand really what they're getting into. So, yeah, I, they there's a whole pile of these things coming out yep. right now.
0: Yeah. Anyway, thank you again for your time, and it's always a pleasure to have you here. Well, this is all fun stuff. Well, Tony, anytime you let me know as I find more stuff,
2: we'll do another update.
0: Sounds great, Mike. Look forward to seeing you again. Okay, thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Whew, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So what did you think of that? When Mike and I talk, we can get just a little distracted. Just No. Right? (laughs) And I also want to let you know there is a video that is essentially the same interview, but with moving pictures. So if you prefer that we do have that will be on the same page as the show notes for this episode
1: moving picture
0: i know it's yeah (laughs) i know it's fancy (laughs) however i also want to say that mike and i talked about the geo pro that he has that has all that solar on the roof and that 400 amp hour battery that option is called the power package and will be available to my knowledge on all e-pro and geo from Rockwood and Flagstaff, but also on the MicroLite, Flagstaff MicroLite and Rockwood Mini Light. Nice. Not all, I think. I think there will be some that are just too small for that much solar. <laughs> but for the most part, it will be an option available on the GeoPro, E-Pro, MiniLite and MicroLite. It's coming. It's, it's called the Power Package and it's a pretty slick option. Also,
1: here comes the future.
0: Yeah. While we were doing this we got some breaking news about a viable electric motorhome
1: all electric
0: all electric motorhome and we called the gentleman behind that company and that will be next week so if you're interested in finding out more about the future this You're is just
1: all over cliffhangers. I maybe. am. This <laughs> is a. It's it's truly
0: a viable option. So yeah, we'll have information about that because we will be talking with the head of the company next week.
1: That's what we'll have for you next week.
0: Yeah, pretty cool. But in the meantime, we'll be right back after this because we have some questions for you.
1: Everybody seems to be talking about lithium batteries for their RVs.
0: Of course, they charge faster, last longer, weigh less, and require zero maintenance. Plus, you don't have to replace them every few years.
1: We love Lion Energy's safe lithium batteries, and with their limited lifetime warranty, they're the last batteries you'll have to buy for your RV.
0: Of course, we have a discount for you on our discounts and deals page. And you can learn more about why lithium is the way to go. (music) Out count from
1: a ... So this week, in place of Tony's gadget report, mm-hmm. because I really didn't give him a chance to play with any new gadgets, because mm-hmm. I bought a couple of new games. Yeah, and well that
0: was when we were in Mendocino yeah. last week.
1: I think we told you about that, and so we bought a couple of new games. So we've been, I've been kind of taking up his gadget time with a couple of new games. One is called Yam Slam. And it has nothing to do with sweet potatoes. No, it was, it was
0: really fun. I really enjoyed Yam Slam.
1: It really is fun. And it's kind of the man at the store described it as a combination of Yahtzee and poker. Okay. And it kind of was, yeah, Yoker. And it is a dice game. You get five dice and you roll them three times like in Yahtzee. And there are, you know, Yahtzee slash poker hands that you can get like two of a kind and full house and straights and things like that. But instead of writing your score down on a piece of paper, there are poker chips. So if you get that that hand, you take one of those chips. There are four chips. So if four people are playing, potentially everyone can take one full house, for example. But I think there's a lot of strategy in taking all the full houses because then at the end, there are bonus points. Like if you got all seven categories. So if someone stole all the full houses and you don't get one, then you don't get those bonus points. And it sounds
0: complicated, but
1: honestly, it's not. It yeah. <laughs> is, it's, it's
0: really easy. It's very visual. It's fast. I think a game is 10 to 15 minutes. Oh,
1: it might've taken us about 20 minutes.
0: Well, we were figuring it out.
1: Yeah, but it's fun. And like he said, fast pace. It doesn't take up much space. It's its own game board in about a Dinner plate size, yeah, container. in a metal
0: container. Mm-hmm. And bonus, it could be played after happy hour, if you know what I mean, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh,
1: yeah, it's not too difficult to figure right. out.
0: It can be played even if all of your thinking power is not available at the moment.
1: <laughs> the other game we got is called Tenzi, and if anyone's familiar with the game of Bunko, it's not completely dissimilar from Bunko. Although in this case, everyone has ten dice. We got the four-player version. So two to four players and everyone has 10 dice and the goal, the, the main game essentially is if you're playing for threes to get all 10 of your dice to say three and then you win that round. There are lots of varieties of the game. I think it'll be fun to play with the different options, you know, get one through two. Wait, how can you get 1 through 10 on a six-sided die? I didn't think that very carefully.
0: Anyway, (laughs) the other thing is it's inexpensive and very portable also. Both of these games, I think, are ones where you're not losing a bunch of little pieces. Like if you bring Monopoly with you, where is that race car?
1: Right. Yeah, so the Yam Slam has a bunch of poker chips and five dice and Tenzi is 10 dice per people but they both come in their own storage containers they're small easy to carry lots of fun not too much thinking involved which is nice for after happy hour yep <laughs> so those are two new games that we wanted to recommend to you that if you have a game box in your RV these would be great additions
0: yeah and they're Tony approved for those with <laughs> the inability to with pay game attention aversion. in class
1: <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) yeah there you go
0: well we asked a question last week and that was
1: do you like the solid steps
0: when i was selling trailers there were definitely people who were very opposed to them and so over in our fun and friendly facebook group which now has over a thousand people in it
1: yeah welcome everybody yeah
0: holy cow we asked that question
1: right and there were definite oppositions. There were definitely people who way prefer them. And I can't say that there was really a one-sided argument. There's not a clear winner here. There's not a clear, like everybody likes one thing. Definitely everyone agrees that they're more stable, even the people that don't yeah, like them.
0: That's what I liked about them. <laughs> they're good for up to 500 pounds.
1: But even the people who like them recognize that they can be less convenient for quick trips into the RV. You have to actually have the door all the way open for them to come out.
0: Yeah, that was that was something that you always had to completely open the door to get them out. Also, it's, it, you really have to clean them before you fold them back into the RV.
1: Yeah, or you're going to be like Marilyn who folded a tree frog into her camper. And Ooh. next time she went in, there was a frog. Now, you know... Frogs aren't dangerous or anything, but it's a little bit alarming. <laughs> yeah, but, and,
0: but they taste funny.
1: <laughs> you go to open your camper and a frog is hopping around. Uh, <laughs> eh, I'd rather not. Thanks anyway. Wayne told us that if the site isn't level, like if you have a site that's maybe... Front to back, you're very unlevel. It's very difficult to get the solid steps to work properly.
0: Well, you can adjust the legs, but yeah, that that's one of the things I've seen where the first step is like, woo, way yeah. up there.
1: And then Jason said that he didn't notice that as a problem on their RV because their door is very close to their axle, so it's always going to be yeah, the same height. I that guess- door is going to be the height all the time. No matter what the front and the background does. That's an
0: interesting perspective I hadn't thought of, is where the door is in relation to the axle or wheels. So anyway, it's always fun to do the question of the week, and we have one for you this week, because we're talking about all this crazy stuff. Would Would you... Oh, go.
1: Would you buy an electric RV?
0: Hmm... Oh, this is going to, I know uh, this is going to open. I think there's
1: going to be, there may not be a clear winner, but there will definitely be some strong opinions. Yeah, I think. <laughs> absolutely. So anyway, head on over to the Stressless Camping Podcast group on Facebook Yep. and find the questions every question of the week and answer those questions for us. We love to have people have discussions Please yeah, be nice. Oh, yeah. And We're not going to let you not be nice polite. about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: But it's also a place to be comfortable to ask whatever questions you have. And even if it's like, oh, this is a dumb question. No, there, there really aren't any. Don't feel shy about asking a question there. No one will make fun of you.
1: That's right. And you can also check out the Stressless Camping page on Facebook and become yep. one of our Likers. I really liked it when, Fans. When, when Facebook was new and you could become a fan because I like us on Facebook. Eh, oh, come on. I want you to like us everywhere, not well, just on Facebook. But what if they don't like us? <laughs> well, actually,
0: speaking of that, we got three additional reviews this week on Apple Podcasts. Thank man, you, I, you, I, thank I, those you. are like gold. And so thank you again for the for the kind words and for taking your time to review us. It really does push us up a little bit in the ranks and shows Apple that people are listening. And it, it makes a real difference. It, it truly does. And we can get guests like, oh, I can't give away who we're talking uh, to not, next not, week.
1: Not, not, but we did get like Mike Sokol. Guest. That's right.
0: And he is the RV electricity guy. Right. Well, don't forget also over on our website, there are discounts and deals for the best deals on the things you'll need for your stressless camping adventure.
1: Right. And while you're on the website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's free. It is free. And what we basically do is send you a weekly newsletter to remind you that the podcast has come out, but we also share other RV news that we have found out there in the wide world.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So, well, well, that's what we have for you here this week. We uh, sincerely appreciate your joining us again. And happy camping. We hope you learned a lot, had some fun, and got some tips for your next stressless camping adventure. We're honored by your reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps others find us, too. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss out on the adventure. And we look forward to your joining us next week. Until then, happy camping!